Welcome to the Sibley Nature Center podcast. Here at Sibley, we celebrate the history and nature of the Llano Estacado. Through a broad range of educational programs and personal experiences given on-site, at schools, in meeting rooms, and at private gatherings, we encourage community members to be knowledgeable about the flora, fauna, and history of our region. My name is Phil Salonik, and I'm the Education Director here at Sibley. Today, I am honored to be joined by Melissa Hagens, Executive Director of the Pecos Trail Region. Hello, Melissa. Hi, Phil. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And I also want to say thank you to the Recording Library of West Texas for allowing us to record this podcast in their studio. Thank you, Bailey. Melissa, what is the Texas Pecos Trail Region? So the Texas Pecos Trail Region is a program of the Texas Historical Commission. Uh, We are one of 10 trail regions in the state of Texas, and we promote heritage and cultural tourism for 22 counties in West and South Texas. 22 counties. uh, That's a lot of counties. How many square miles do you think that is? It's 35,000 square miles. Okay. Just your 22 counties? Just my my 22 counties. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, golly, what, where do where do those counties span? So we are we go from the northern county is Andrews County. We go far west to um, Pecos and Balmoray, which is Reeves County, all the way down south to Eagle Pass, which is Maverick County, and as far east as Junction, which is Kimball County, and we've got everything in between. Oh my gosh, that is a big that is a big territory. <laughs> Uh, I actually grew up in Andrews, and I'm trying to think of any uh, cultural or heritage uh, history out there. So you have a historic home that is in the process of being restored, uh, waiting for that to reopen. And then you've also got the Veterans Memorial, mm-hmm. which is really amazing place to stop and visit. And then you also have the birding uh, location. Yep, yep. I know they have that, that new bird sanctuary there. Um, but there's also Shafter Lake, not necessarily a True. I guess it is a landmark. It is a landmark. landmark. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, the the Veterans Memorial too. That's really nice there at the Chamber of Commerce. They've done a great job with that one. Yes. Yeah. My name's actually on it. I was a Navy guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. interesting. I'll have to go look for it next yeah. time. <laughs> um, and then Balmeray, That's a great place. Balmeray, So the largest spring-fed swimming pool in the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, it is temperature average temperature is 68 degrees all year round. Um, thing about Balmeray though is you're going to swim with the fishes and the frogs and the turtles and everything else. Uh, not really my cup of tea. Um, <laughs> if I'm going to go spring fed swimming pool, I'll go down to Fort Clark Springs that has the third largest spring fed swimming pool in the state, and there you get to swim. Without all the nature involved. Oh, without all the fish and uh-huh. turtles and okay, cool. I've never been down there to Fort Clark. I've seen pictures of it and I know um, you can stay in the old barracks they've kind of restored into. Hotels. So at Fort Clark, um, it was a pre-Civil War fort and it was actually decommissioned after World War II. They have 80 original buildings still standing. Um, for uh, General Patton was actually stationed there at one time. His home is still standing, uh, but you can stay in the old um, barracks that that were used by the 
the soldiers. And uh, they have made them into motel rooms. They've the, been in the process of re, uh, renovating those and upgrading them a little bit. They were kind of prehistoric a little bit there for a while, kind of a pre, uh, very simple. But uh, they have been restoring those. Um, and just to go down, and you can camp down there. They have RV spots. Um, you can go hiking. And uh, there is a golf course out there, so you can actually play golf. So it's really amazing for it to visit. Yeah, I looked at the rates. The rates are really affordable, too. Oh, very, yeah, yeah. it's very much so. So is that like a little private concessionaire that runs that? Or? Um, it is actually run by the, the uh, Fort Association. So um, Fort Clark is a uh, association. It is a uh, resort there, and they have people that live on the fort year-round. Um, and then... They have a, a, a board of governors and all of that kind of stuff, and they do all the, the decision-making for the fort. Awesome. Um, is it the only fort in your territory? No. I actually have four forts in our region. Um, fort Clark, of course, is the largest, and then there is Fort Duncan at Eagle Pass, uh, which is city-owned. And then there is Fort Stockton, which everybody is familiar with, which is also a city-owned fort. And then uh, my least populated, least uh, known fort is Fort Lancaster, which is outside of Sheffield. Um, and it is a fort that is in complete ruins, so there are no buildings still standing of the fort itself. Um, but it is an amazing fort to go out and visit and um, just see what it was like to live on the frontier back when those people did. Um, I couldn't have done it. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm too spoiled with all of our... Um, things that we have in today's society but uh it's amazing to be out there on the land and have the wind blowing and and to see what little vegetation there is uh but fort lancaster is a state historic site that is managed by the thc yeah we've been down my family and i've been down to fort lancaster and they have golf carts you can check out and drive the yes so when you when you check into the fort um when you go in and and uh, check into the visitor center you do get access to the the golf carts that you can go all over the fort and see all of the sites they have uh, really great displays at each of the uh, stacks of rocks the ruins of the buildings that tell you what that building would have been and kind of show you what it would have possibly looked like when it was an actual building it's you know the the fort's a really fascinating part of history because it it's kind of that line of settlement that um, the Europeans were as they were moving west. You know, they, so they were heading west for, then... <laughs> to California to 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 mine the gold. Uh, we had the forts that would help protect uh, the Butterfield Overland Trail with the mail and all of that kind of stuff, and just the people that were traveling west. Uh, there was the line of forts that were a protection zone for them uh, from the Indians. Sure. Yeah. Um. Now, you have several state parks as well in your Yes, I have seven state parks in my region. Um, Balmeray that we talked about earlier is a state park. Um, I also have the Monaghan Sand Hills. Um, I have the South Llano River. I have Devil's Sinkhole outside of Rock Springs where you can go and watch the bats fly out. Uh, They're open May through October for, for tours of that. You can go to Kickapoo Caverns, which is down outside of Brackettville. Um, the Devil's River, which is down uh, near Del Rio. And then you've got the Seminole Canyon State Park uh, at Comstock, where you can go and look at the rock art that's over 4,000 years old. 
Yeah, weren't you just down there on a little... I was. I was just down there back in May for a board meeting. So we took a tour of one of the caves and got to see the rock art. And uh, then we went up and, and had lunch and at one of their local restaurants and then had our board meeting. One of them or the local restaurant? <laughs> at the local restaurant, yes, very much I think so. I've eat, I think I've eaten there in Comstock. <laughs> Um, you you don't want to blink as you go through Comstock. You will you will not you won't miss it if you blink. Mm-hmm. Um, that is some really beautiful country there on the the Rio Grande. Yes. You know you have quite a bit of. I mean there are big canyons there where they're coming into the lake, Very off of the m- river, yes. and especially even when the Pecos drops into the Rio Grande there, mm-hmm. the big uh, lower Pecos canyons. And then you've also got like Amistad at um, Del Rio, which is an amazing lake. Um, you know, the border of, of the United States and Mexico is right out in the middle of it. Um, but, yeah, it's a great place to go, and there's so much you can do down there on the lake. Um, you also have the Devil's River in your territory. Yeah, it's the most pristine river in Texas. Yes, yeah. yes, and the most protected as of right now. Okay. I know that – I think that they're – I think that they're building um, a visitor center down there now. I believe so. I believe I heard that. Yes, sir. It may be a couple of years before we get some real traffic through there, but as of right now, it's a state natural area. Yes, yes. And they're trying to preserve that as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, Monaghan Sandhills are really nice. We spent a bunch of time there. Um, you can rent the disc and slide down the, the Sandhills. And they're actually under renovation right now, their visitor center. Um, they have been renovating that, and their hope is that they'll be have their new visitor center open uh, either end of this year or first of next year. Yeah, it's so. really nice to see uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife putting money into these far west Texas parks. Yes, yes, absolutely. Knowing the importance of it out here in West Texas. Absolutely, yeah. Seminole Canyon has a nice visitor center, too. I've been down there. And I- they're actually getting ready to uh, do some renovations on theirs. Uh, they informed us last uh, last month that they have just received uh, their drawings and they'll be working on upgrading their vis- visitor center. But nice. it, the great thing about the Seminole Canyon Visitor Center is you can actually walk through their little museum area and see the story of the Indians and the rock art and what all it, they went through and how they met it and all that. So it's very interesting, yeah. very informative. How was that hike down to the cave? It wasn't too bad. Well, I had some um, older um, guests with us, so we took the the least difficult (laughs) hike um, down into the cave. So the cave we went to is actually um, the most faded as far as the art goes, just because it gets the direct sunlight. Um, But it was, was, for us to hike down into that one, it was very easy. Um, I have done the hike up to the Fate Bell Shelter, Again, it, it's not, I'm not a hiker. Uh, I don't exercise. <laughs> so for me to be able to do that one, and I, I was fine. So yeah, we we went. We had some younger ones with us, and decided oh, we better not take that hour and a half. Yeah, guided tour down. But yeah, it looks it looks amazing. I've seen pictures of that rock art. And um, do y'all have any uh, partnership with the Whitty Museum because they own that Lower Pecos Cave or rock art? Um, so I'm actually um, in the process of working with the Shumla Foundation, which is part of the Witty, 
And they are in the process, one of the um, staff members, Jessica Hamlin, who is the executive director there, is uh, working on a story for our magazine that uh, we own with four other trail regions. So it's a great magazine called Authentic Texas. And um, each issue has a theme. And our next issue to come out is Prehistoric Texas. So therefore, Jessica is working on a story for me about the lower the rock art in the lower Pecos. Um, so we're super excited that that uh, story will be covered. Is that magazine is four of the regions? Do some of the other regions have their own magazine? No. Um, so five of our regions own it. I'm one of the five. Um, it was a magazine that was started. Um, I believe our first issue came out in 2016, and it was started as a way to bring in additional funding to the trail regions. Um, our funding does come from the Texas Historical Commission, but we're always at looking at ways to bring in additional funding, as is any nonprofit. And so with the magazine, uh, we are able to um, provide uh, the funding that we need um, to get our additional funding from the THC. And so the ad sales from the Authentic Texas Magazine really helps out the trail regions that are owners of it. Nice. And Uh, that magazine, you can pick it up free at any of your visitor centers or a lot of the different museums around the the regions. Um, There's also a subscription you can do. Um, There's four issues a year. And also we are online. And I've seen those. Those are really nice um, magazines you print out. We're very, very proud of that magazine. It's the only Texas magazine that is about heritage uh, Texas. So you partner with um, heritage or cultural or historical entities within your region to include museums, nature centers, of course, your state parks, your forts. Is there anything else? I also partner with our chambers and convention and visitors bureaus. Um, A lot of them are my partners that um, help me provide brochures to get people to their communities. And then once they're in their community, then they can find out all the other great places they can go and see their museums and things like that. So you have nine counterparts doing essentially your same Correct. duties all over the state. Correct. Do you all have little soirees once a year where you all get together? <laughs> so we meet um, twice a year. Uh, we meet um, Typically we meet in the Austin area because that's where the THC staff is. Um, they have opened it up this year that we get to travel around the state. So we will be in Waco next year or next week, actually, for our statewide meeting. And those meetings include all 10 trails. And then we also bring um, a board member with us. And uh, those meetings are informational for us. So they invite other uh, outside organizations to come in and tell us who they are and what they do. And then we have time that we talk about what our trail regions have done so we can share that information with the others. Um, and then the THC also has their time where they can tell us what they're doing. Some of the museums, I know there's the the far or the west of the Pecos Museum in Pecos, uh-huh. which is an awesome museum um, I've been to. Are there any other museums? I mean, I'm sure there's several, but... Where are some of the other ones? So just about every community has a museum. Um, They're not all open 
on a regular basis. A lot of them, several of them are uh, by appointment only. Uh, for instance, the Roy Orbison Museum in Wink yes. is a appointment only. The um, museum in Rankin, which is in the old uh, Yates Motel, or hotel, is actually by appointment only. Um, but most of your museums, there's a museum in McKamey. Uh, Crane has one. There's, I believe Crane's is by appointment only now. But McKamey, Sonora... Stanton, Midland, Odessa, Sonora, Sonora Junction, uh, Rock Springs has a uh, very interesting little miniatures museum. So it's all the doll houses with the miniature stuff that goes into the doll houses. It's an amazing museum to go in and see. And some of the doll houses are, you know, two or three hundred years old. Uh, so it's very cool to see there. Of course, all the forts have museums at their locations. Um, if you haven't ever been to the Tribal Information Center in Langtree, where Judge Roy oh, Bean yeah. had a mm-hmm. saloon, uh, they have a small museum there with the, the saloon. And then, of course, his Opry House, where he lived. Um, and they have they a nice have, garden right they there. They have a beautiful mm-hmm. garden out there, the Xeroscape Garden out to the side of it. And then they also have a beautiful butterfly garden uh, where the monarchs come through uh, during that time of year so um, but Del Rio has the Whitehead Memorial Museum that is a great facility with multiple uh, houses there on its property was that the first doctor in that region or yes okay yes and then um, if you've never been to Monahans to the Million Barrel Museum complex um, out there, they have the Rattlesnake Bomber Base Museum. They have the Coca-Cola Museum. They have the Holman House, which was their historic home. Um, they have the museum that's got all the doctor's um, instruments and things that they had there. They have the first original jail house on that property. So <laughs> cool. it's really cool. And in um, the Million Barrel Museum, if you're not familiar with the Million Barrel story... So in the 1920s or 30s, I can't remember offhand, um, a gentleman decided he was going to bring in a million barrels of oil. So he built this piece of property and cemented it in, and he brought in oil, barrels of oil. Well, it leaked. (laughs) So he had to remove all the barrels of oil. In the 1950s, a gentleman bought the property, and he decided he was going to put a man-made lake. So he repaired it. He had um, some famous skiers come out, and he built this lake, and it leaked. Okay. So it is now the museum complex. They actually have a little amphitheater area with a really great stage. So you can go, and they do um, events out there. You can have parties out there and stuff like that. But it's really an amazing place to visit. Is it so? Does every city or town above a certain size have to have some kind of historical museum? They don't have to, um, but most cities want to celebrate their history, and so what better way to do it than have a museum? Um, some of your museums in your smaller communities are, well, Grandma had all this stuff, and I don't know what to do with it now, so let me just take it to the local museum, sure, and they will find a place to put it out. So, um, but yeah. So how did this, um, all these trails get started? So in 1968, 
Governor John Connolly um, realized the importance of tourism for the state of Texas and the money that it brought into our state. And so he uh, worked with some different companies, different organizations in the state, state agencies, and they started the Texas Travel Trails. And they made a, made a big um, kickoff of it at the Hemisphere in San Antonio in 1968. Um, and they promoted it with caravans. So Governor Connolly actually went on a couple of the caravans throughout the trail regions or the, the travel trails. Uh, his first one was out in the mountains trail. Um, and we actually recreated that in 19, I'm sorry, in 2018. Uh, we did it on the exact same days that Governor Connolly did his caravan, so it was really cool and fun. Um, but they would take groups out, and they would travel the driving trail of the Texas Travel Trails. So that program kind of went by the wayside in the 70s, 80s, something like that. And in 1998, the Texas Historical Commission decided to uh, – revamp the program and turn the name from the Texas Travel Trails to the Texas Heritage Trails program. And the first trail to be restarted was the Forks Trail. And from 1998 to 2006, each of the trails were brought back. So they kept their original names that they had in 1968 through Governor Connolly's program. So we have, uh, starting in West Texas, we've got the Mountains Trail. Then we have the Pecos Trail. If you go north to the Panhandle, that's the Plains. Um, just east of us is the Forts Trail. And then you've got um, the Lakes Trail, which is your Metroplex area. Um, you've got the Brazos Trail, which is your Waco College Station area. You've got Hill Country, which, of course, is your Fredericksburg and all of that. Um, you've got Independence Trail, which is your San Antonio-Houston You've got Forest Trail, which is your East Texas, and then you have Tropical Trail down in the south, down the Rio Grande Valley. Golly, that's a lot of trails. So all 254 counties of the state of Texas are covered in those. Uh, there are a few trail regions that share counties. Oh. Um, I don't share with anybody, which is really nice. Uh, Mountains Trail keeps trying to take Balmoray away from me, and mm -mm. I told her no. Uh <laughs> It's still on the flats. It's, yeah. <laughs> we have that discussion every time we see each other. Can I have Balmerate? No, you can't. It's still part of Pecos. Um, but there are a few trail regions, Brazos, Independence, Hill Country, Lakes Trail. They all share a county or two with other trails. Okay. Wow. But yours is surely the largest. Um, actually, the Plains Trail is 52 counties. Oh, north. Oh, north. Yeah, uh -huh. In the Panhandle. She is everything from Big Spring north. All the way up. All the way up to the to the top of, of Texas. Oh, my gosh. Where is she based? Lubbock? Or? She lives in Wolforth. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. So if, if an organization wanted to get involved and be um, part of the Texas Pegasus Trail region... So we do have a website. Um, it's texaspecostrail.com. It's a brand new website. Just launched at the end of, or actually June 1st, we launched it. Uh, we'd love for people to go check it out. And uh, there's actually a survey on there right now to tell us what you think about it. Because um, we're trying to figure out what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. Um, we're still in the process of tweaking it, changing photos out, things like that. Because we, 
we moved everything over from the old uh, website, and so a lot of that information was outdated. The photos are are old and and not uh, the right resolutions and things like that. But on the website, um, there is a uh, membership application if you want to become a member. Uh, our memberships start at $50, and that's good for a year. And that gets you involved uh, with things that are happening in the trail region. Um, I'd be happy to add you to my mailing list. You can just send me an, uh, an email at info at com, And I'll be happy to add you to my uh, email list. Uh, we send out invitations when we're doing our board meetings. Our board meetings are bi-monthly, so the odd months of the year. And we travel around the region uh, when we do our board meetings. And we always try to start our meeting day with a tour of the local historic museum, hotel, home, whatever it is we are. Uh, for instance, last month we were in, in at Seminole Canyon, so we did yeah. the rock art. Uh, July, uh, I believe our meeting is on the 19th, and we'll actually be here in Midland. And we're going to tour the Petroleum Museum. We're going to go to the George W. Bush Childhood Home, which is our newest state historic site um, through the THC. And we'll tour that home. And then we'll tour the Brown Dorsey Home, which is the oldest historic home in Midland. Yeah, that's great. Is is the Midland Historical Society going to move into that, or they're just going to? They owned the building. Um, it was it was sold to the Historical Society in the late sixties um, by the um, Mrs. Dorsey, who was the last child of the family. And um, so we own the home itself. I say we because I sit on that board. Oh sure. Um, but we we have our historical museum just a block away on the corner of Texas and um, Main Street. And so, and there is where our exhibits are. And then the home is simply set up like a home would have been in the 1800s. Sure. Um, so that will be open to the public at some point. We, um, so we do special events where we open it up to the public. Um, we will do a Christmas event. And we're talking about some other things where we will set, at Christmas time, we decorate it as it would have been possibly decorated when the family lived there mm-hmm. in the 1800s. Um, but we're in the process right now of um, trying to secure funds to do some more restoration on it. Um, as is any old home, everything needs to be fixed and repaired at some time. Sure. So uh, we just restored 11 of the 22 windows in the home. Um that was probably pretty inexpensive, huh? <laughs> $3,500 a window. Okay. <laughs> and we have a company out of Lubbock um, that has actually that did that for us. And so they have to take the windows out, and we boarded everything up at the time. And then the windows go to Lubbock, and they have to restore them. And then they have to come back and redo the wood around them, and then everything has to be painted. Uh, so that was a big undertaking, and uh, like I said, we're working to secure funds to do the rest of the 11 windows. Isn't that Dorsey home kind of unique? Yes. So the the Brown Dorsey home um, was a kid house. So you actually went to a catalog like Sears and Roebuck, um, and you ordered your house through Sears and through the catalog, <laughs> and it was. Came on a train. Came on a train, you know, boxed up or however they they did it back then. 
and every little piece was included, your nails and whatever. And so you built your house by the instructions uh, from your uh, kit. Wow. Well, that's that's fascinating. And I, I think it's obviously very important to preserve our cultural history um, for all generations, you know, future generations. People don't realize <laughs> the history that we have in our communities and in our state. They think of history and they think of the Alamo. They think of history and they think of XYZ. But they don't realize that even in your own community, Midland, for example, we have the Brown Dorsey home. We have the Turner Mansion, which is the Museum of the Southwest. We have the Petroleum Museum that's got the history of our oil and everything. And then we've got places that are newer, Sibley Nature Center. We've got the I-20 Wildlife Preserve. We've got all these wonderful things, the Midland County Historical Museum. We've got all these wonderful places, but people don't realize it's here in our community to see and do. Sure. Even, I mean, the Midland International Airport was an Army airfield. The yes. Schleymeyer was as well in Midland's Municipal Airport. Yeah. So out at, out at the um, Midland International Air and Space Port now, we have the Midland Army Airfield um, Museum. Oh, yeah. And so you can also visit that. And there's the Vietnam Memorial out mm-hmm. there. Uh, once a year they do air show. And so you can go and see the historic planes flying in and out. Um, and, you know, talking about the the air, the air history, the Army history, we had the Rattlesnake Bomber Base at Piote. Mm-hmm. Yep. The base itself has been dismantled, but there is still the entrance to the base off of I-20. That you can go out and the gates are, I mean, the walls are still there that say Rattlesnake Bomber Base. And there's a plaque. And it's just amazing to see that that is here in West Texas. Yep, yep. My dad used to live in Piot, right down okay. the road from that. And it, yeah, that's, that is really Even Piot has a, a museum. Yep, mm-hmm. that's right. Here's another cool thing about the Pecos Trail region. <laughs> So we have a marker out in the sand dunes outside of Kermit that actually marks where the corner of the state is. Oh, wow. So you have to go and search for it. It's not something that there's a sign that says marker placed mm-hmm. here. So you have to kind of know where you're going. But there is a marker out there on the, on the, in the sand dune itself that shows where the corner of Texas is. And that's the, the corner of our state. I'm going to have to go investigate that. And also in Kermit was is the last wooden oil derrick. It is now in pieces, thanks to our West Texas winds, but they moved it from the site of where it was out in the field, brought it in on a trailer into the city of Kermit, and it now sits next to their medallion home, which is their historic home. And so one of those good West Texas winds, it was standing at one time, and one of those good West Texas winds came and knocked it down. So all the pieces are there, um, but the, the oil derrick itself is, is no longer standing. Um, that's, again, one of the things the Winkler County Historical Society would love to do is raise the funds sure. to get that restored because that's such an amazing piece of history. Yeah, that is awesome. So, I mean, small towns, Kermit. Well, Melissa, as your role there as ED of the Pecos Trail region, do you um, 
host any events around during the year or do you mostly attend events? So, um, so I participate um, in a couple of trade shows. Um, the Texas Heritage Trails program actually has a booth at the state fair. It's the largest travel booth um, at the whole fair. We provide brochures from all over the state um, at the fair itself. And then I do um, go to other trade shows uh, throughout the state to help promote my region and my communities. Um, I also do presentations anytime any group organization is interested in learning more about the Pecos Trail and our communities. Um, I'm happy to talk to them. I've talked to Rotary Clubs, Lions Club, um, did your brown bag uh, lunch today. Um, I've spoken with the Junior League, the retired teachers. So anybody that wants to hear more about us, I'm happy to, um, to come and visit with you about my organization. Um, and then, like I said, we do do our, quarter, our bi-monthly uh, board meetings where we include what they call a partner's event so people can come out and learn more about that community and the history of that community. And then uh, we have a lunch and then go into our board meetings. Those are open to anybody uh, that is interested in seeing that community or just participating in any part of it. Um, but, and I'm, you know, I'm out on the road as much as I can be visiting my partners, visiting my communities, and always happy to step in and greet or talk to anybody else in those places that need to learn more about the Pecos Trail. Well, Melissa, it's been really nice to see you today and to visit with you about Texas Pecos Trail. So thank you for your time and thank you for being here. Also, thank you for being our community partner and presenting a Brownback lecture today at Sibley and coming out to our spring festival and everything else you've done with us in the past. Well, thank you for the support. Yes, absolutely. So again, um, I want to say thank you to the Recording Library of West Texas for allowing us to use their facility. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Sibley Nature Center podcast. Uh, we had a great time recording this and covering these topics. Please tune in next time where we continue to cover the flora, fauna, and history of the Llano Estacado. Until next time, head outside to wander and wonder.